0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. The first of many Pirates podcasts in 2018. A happy new year to all the Buckos fans and to you, Adam Barry, our Pirates reporter, as he uh, joins us here on this fifth day of January, this very chilly Friday all along the East Coast. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for the time. And uh, what we're doing today is uh, taking a look, uh, asking and answering the five biggest questions facing the Buccos uh, for the 2018 season. And the first one, obviously, is uh, the big one. It's something we've discussed at length in previous podcasts. But, you know, we've talked about, is this a team that's going to go all in? Is this a team that's, you know, maybe thinking about rebuilding? I I think, you know, we can debate that for the next half hour, but I think we can all agree that something's got to be done, and the worst thing they can do is simply stand pat right now, Correct.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to look at it is standing pat is probably not going to get you anywhere uh, more than uh, where they were over the last two years. And you could say, all right, maybe things will break in their direction that didn't uh, go right the past two years. You know, maybe they'll get better health. But even then, are you good enough to beat the Cubs? Are you good enough to beat the Cardinals who have added some pieces and don't seem like they're done? you know, are you good enough to beat out the, uh, the wild card picture that's going to get increasingly crowded with, uh, you know, that, all those teams in the NL West building up? And uh, I just don't know right now if they can count on things going right. You know, there's so many, they're dependent on so many what-ifs at this point with the roster that they have that they either need to go out and they need to add, which seems less likely just given their payroll restrictions, their market size, uh, the proximity of some of their big pieces to free agency. Or they could sort of, you know, I think in their preferred phrase is a retool and take a step back in 2018, move some of their their big pieces for uh, prospects who are near ready or ready for the majors, and then uh, go into next year with an eye on 2019 uh, with sort of a younger core built up to eliminate some margin for error uh, or give themselves more margin for error, I should say, where it's not all about, banking on everything to go right, it's saying, all right, this is a team that can withstand injuries, that can withstand uh, subpar performances. You know, this is not a team that is, Andrew McCutcheon needs to be the MVP or we're not going to make the playoffs. So... I think at this point it's more likely they go in that direction, but we are still waiting, and it's January 5th, so hopefully we'll find out sooner rather than later.
0: And, of course, Adam, you brought up uh, the, the biggest name, uh, you know, with regards to uh, this this direction, this blueprint, whatever that blueprint may be, Andrew McCutcheon. It seems like, you know, we wake up every day and we say to ourselves, is this the day that <laughs> Andrew McCutcheon gets traded? We hear rumors and speculation almost on a daily basis, uh, you know, when you look at the, the spectrum of, I guess, possibility with uh, McCutcheon getting traded, would you say it's possible, it's probable, it's a certainty? Well, how, would you, how would you grade this right now? I guess I would go with probable at this point on the scale of uh, NFL injury list, uh,
1: <laughs> likelihood to play scale. Not questionable, probable. Uh, it just seems that that's the way the offseason is going. The, the only reason that I question that even is that who's interested Who's out there that has an obvious hole for Andrew McCutcheon? He's a good player, but in this offseason, it seems like, especially more than, you know, in years past, people are finding reasons to not acquire players. They're finding reasons to not trade for guys. And you could say, All right, maybe McCutcheon isn't a center fielder anymore, even though he was better there last year than in two thousand sixteen. You know, maybe he's not a number three hitter. Maybe, you know, the, the slumps that he's endured over the last two years are the start of a decline. But Andrew McCutcheon could help a lot of teams as far as I can see, but the only teams that have been publicly linked to him so far are the Giants and the Mets who don't have strong farm systems, who don't have the kind of prospects probably that would really entice the Pirates, certainly not the kind of prospects they're willing to give up at this point. So I'm going to say probable just based on the way this offseason is going, and I think it would be good for the Pirates to, you know, maybe sort of reload that farm system with, uh, you know, by trading a guy like that, but, it's not a guarantee at this point just because I, I don't think they're going to take a bad deal. You know, They need a good deal to, to move him. He's not the kind of guy that you're just trying to salary dump or anything like that. So I think it's more likely that he goes, but I think you kind of need to see more interesting and uh, more fitting suitors at this point to really uh, see a deal coming about.
0: And uh, in that same vein as uh, Andrew McCutcheon, you can also uh, apply all of that to uh, Garrett Cole. As uh, I remember, the day that you were actually here in New York City, that same day, on the back page of the uh, New York Post, uh, a picture or, or a, an image, I should say, of uh, Garrett Cole in a in a Yankees stocking, and obviously they're on the Yankees' wish list. Uh, the talks of uh, Kind of, I don't want to say die down, but it's, you don't know, hear it as heavily speculated now as you did a couple of weeks ago, but it's still something that's certainly, uh, you know, on the table for both teams. So, assuming that uh, Cole does get traded, do you see it happening sooner rather than later, or do you see him maybe putting in a half season and the Pirates uh, fielding trade offers uh, before the deadline?
1: I don't think it's likely that he would be a deadline kind of guy. I think it's either this offseason or next off season because if they keep Cole, it's more likely that they're doing it with an eye on competing in 2018. So they're not going to kind of, Neil Huntington said the last day of the winter meetings, they're not going to kind of go with a toe in the water and, you know, test the waters and see if they're good enough and then redecide it, you know, make another decision at the deadline. It seems like they're either going to commit to 2018 or they're going to commit to 2019 and beyond. So yeah, Cole is kind of the opposite of McCutcheon in the sense that there is a very clear need. Or, you know, for him from number, a number of teams who have expressed interest. You know, we've heard the most about the Yankees, as you mentioned, and there's such an obvious fit there that it's, it would surprise me if it doesn't happen just based on the, the probability and the likelihood and the, the great fit. The Twins are looking for a frontline starter. We've heard the Rangers are looking for starters. There's so many natural fits for Garrett Cole, where he wouldn't even have to be the ace. He would just have to be a frontline kind of 200 inning guy, which is exactly what he was last year. So It seems likely that Cole would go, but there's less pressure in the sense that he has that extra year of team control. So if the Pirates don't find that deal that they like, they could revisit it next offseason, still get a good value in return for him, uh, and then kind of ride out this year and let him sort of mentor some of their younger starters for 2018.
0: And, uh, Adam, assuming that uh, Garrett Cole at some point does find a new Major League home, Uh, Does Jamison Tyone kind of inherit that mantle that Cole has had the last couple years as, uh, you know, the the true ace and the face of that rotation? And if so, behind Tyone, how do you feel, uh, you know, one through five with a rotation that would not, you know, include Garrett Cole?
1: Yeah, it'd be hard to call Tyone an ace just based on the lack of experience. Uh, You know, he he made his debut in 2016 and had a pretty good year uh, as a rookie. And then, obviously, the testicular cancer interrupted 2017, and he struggled when he came back. So there's a lot uh, of upside there. He's the kind of guy, certainly the kind of presence and personality, and you know mentally tough guy that you would want atop to your rotation. But he's going to have to prove that he can go 180, 200 innings. You know he has that injury-prone reputation, which is bizarre because it's basically just Tommy John and fluke, you know, freak stuff after that. Uh, but he's the kind of guy that you could count on. Former number two overall pick in the draft, got great stuff, three good major league pitches. So I think he's the kind of guy you could count on there you would need Yvonne Nova then to be that innings-eater guy. You would need 180 to 200 innings out of him, at least in 2018, probably in 2019, when his contract expires as well. And then it's a lot of young guys. You know, it's Chad Cool, it's Trevor Williams, who we saw good stuff from uh, in the second half of last season. It's Stephen Brault, uh, Nick Kingham at some point, and then the ultimate question mark, which is Tyler now. If he gets his control together, he has that top-of-the-rotation potential. He could be the ace just based off that dominant strikeout kind of stuff. But we haven't seen it at the major league level yet. So it's hard to really know what you're counting on with Tyler Glasnow going into 2018. Is he going to open the season in the Pirates' bullpen, in the AAA rotation, in the Pirates' rotation? We don't know. So I think that's kind of going to be the biggest question mark, really, until he figures it out or he establishes himself as a reliever, to, You know, is what exactly is he going to be?
0: Yeah. And uh, Adam, to wrap up here, you take a look at uh, the outfield. And for the past couple years, you know, you, you look at the names uh, on paper and you say, you know, this should be one of the elite outfields in baseball. But of course things have gotten in the way with, with, uh, with uh, Gregory Polanco, some uh, some inconsistency, of course, Starling Marte with the, uh, the PED suspension last year, which cost him about a third of the season. We don't know what's going to happen with Andrew McCutcheon. Austin Meadows is somewhere going to be in that mix. Well, So, when you look at 2018, as you know, looking at that group as a whole, is 2018 the year that these guys really finally put it all together?
1: Yeah, I think it's funny because, you know, I actually went back the other day and I read a story, a national story from three years ago. And the question was, do the Pirates have the best young outfield in baseball? Hmm. And then 2015 actually wound up being their best year together, which we may not have appreciated at the time. But McCutcheon finished in the top five in the MVP voting. Starling Marte actually led the team in wins above replacement. And Gregory Polanco stayed on the field. He wasn't quite at his offensive ceiling, obviously, but he was a good defender. He stole twenty-seven bases, and they were there together all the time. You know, they played every day. Last season, they started in the same outfield twenty-six times. Twenty-six times out of one hundred and sixty-two games. So when you look at where the underachievement has come about, you can say, all right, you know, the power hasn't been there offensively. You know, the pitching staff has been young and unproven, and two thousand sixteen was just unsuccessful. But the this team was built around its outfield, around those three guys. So, you know, you could say, all right, they might move off Andrew McCutcheon this offseason. Then it's going to be about Austin Meadows, and there are questions with him as well. You know, he's been, injury, he's been severely injury-prone. You know, I think he's only played more than 90 games in a minor league season once. So there are still going to be really serious questions about this outfield, which needs to be sort of the, you know, the engine that drives the offense, whether it's McCutcheon, Meadows, uh, Marte and Polanco, how they fit in there. So much of their success, not just in 2018, but probably in 19 and 20 as well, is based off of uh, you know the question of what is Marte? What is Polanco? We've seen Marte play at a high level before. We've seen Polanco have stretches of high-level performance. But if they can put it together, whoever is in that outfield, uh, alongside Marte and Polanco, if they can put it together for a full, healthy, complete season, I think it's a lot more likely you see a winning Pirates team uh, than not because we've seen it in 2015. That was them at their best. They had a winning season that team won 98 games, largely based off the success of their pitching and their outfield. And I think that's kind of going to be the formula for the Pirates moving forward.
0: Yeah, the potential and the talent are no question there. It's time to turn those attributes, though, into a full season of productivity. We'll see if that happens in 2018. Adam Barry, great stuff as always. We appreciate the time, and we'll do it again at this time next week. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Pittsburgh Pirates.